foot paste and delay creates. Some endurance athletes say failure is not an option. If you ever attempted to do a race or event that was slightly ambitious, I would argue that failure is an option. In my head, I've redefined failure to mean all the ways to not do something, or in other words, lessons learned. Every mistake, misstep, and failing moment is a stride towards triumph. In this episode, I'll show you a few race lessons I've learned that will help you crush your next running or endurance event. If you want to reframe racing failures as lessons learned, then you should listen to this episode of D-Lake Creates. Let's go. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aaron So, a.k.a. D-Lake. Tips and tactics you could train like a pro. This cast to help you and faster than you could go. All the PRs you could beat, of course, records that comes in your upcoming season. Right. Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life. That's that metaphor, baby. Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night. Don't master a lot. Don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master just none. Just be. just be a master of some. What is up? I'm Darren, your host of d Creates, running for Masters of Some. The internet's most exciting endurance sports podcast. Through self-improvement, we help serious endurance athletes master some of their health, some of their fitness, and even some of their life, because it's all the same. And in being your host, you can trust me because I'm a lifelong endurance athlete that's ran a sub three hour marathon, completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours, and currently trying to break 16 minutes in the 5K. So I'd say I know some things about some of the stuff that we talk about. Quick warning, we use some adult language and cuss a bit. Be mindful who is around when you listen. warm-up complete i'll quote james clear kind of modified quote your success comes from how you handle failure if you deal well and you persist you have a high chance of being successful unquote i'm bringing in a previous guest and endurance sport enthusiast j mike remy or as he calls himself now remy be real he helped me highlight some really interesting findings around my last few races We did a live event a short time ago, and I thought it would be cool to chop up the audio and rehash it in a dynamic way that helps tell the story better. So let's rewind back to May 2021. I ran my fastest 5K ever with a time of 1647. This is an almost three minute or 15% drop in time from running my first 5K almost 20 years ago. In that same race, I had no concept of pacing. I literally passed out at the finish line and slept for 10 minutes. Yes, I slept. I woke up and proceeded to have a horrendous migraine headache that lasted all day. I had what I just found out in the last few years, exercise-induced hyperglycemia. Yeah, it took me 17 years to figure that out. Basically, my blood sugar levels dropped after a hard effort, similar to a diabetic even though I don't have diabetes, and I'm not pre-diabetic from what I know. This also happened after every 800-meter race back when I raced at college slash uni. It was weird, and no trainer knew what to do with me. I should have saw a doctor back then, but I was being a lazy 22-year-old. And luckily, I only raced a couple more times after that. That caused me to pass out like that, and I didn't end up killing myself. To say my fitness and health in my early 20s was weak compared to now is a gross understatement. This new best time would have not happened if I didn't totally mess up over the last 20 years of training and racing. And in particular, a 5K race I did eight months ago. Totally botched that one. In that time trial, I did multiple things wrong that led to one of my slower race times of the last few years. So the five key takeaways from the convo with Remy were 
One, reframing my mindset around running my fastest 5K time to running my best 5K time. Two, the 20 different 1% changes, or roughly 20. Three, addition and subtraction. Four, using data, ignoring it, and then trusting the process. And five, the running virtuous cycle. Let's get into it. So takeaway one, reframing running my fastest 5K time to running my best 5K time. Here I talk about the spectrum of what you have to work with. Think of a spectrum similar to the cards that you're dealt and the hand that you play or the, the crayon box colors that you get. You just got to work with what you have. Here's more on that. Tell us about it, man. Why the 5K? All right, so I, after talking to Marathon Marcus, I ended up rephrasing my whole, I was like, yo, I'm gonna run my fastest 5K, right? He started talking about his stuff and he was like, I'm trying to run my best marathon. And then I was like, yo, what do you mean? And I did that about two podcasts ago. If you wanna go check that out, delaycreates.com or you could just Google it, delaycreates, uh, sorry, search it on any podcast player, delaycreates Marathon Marcus. But what I took from that was if you just focus on whatever you have that day, and you that's your spectrum you know that's your bar that's your uh, you know bad to good so if it's raining and it's cold and it's windy you're, you're not gonna probably run your best time but you could run sorry your fastest time but you could run your best time that day so life happens as you say you're constantly it's a roller coaster up and down why not think about it as running my best and you know the time might be you know my best time right now is 1647 so that might be my best ever uh, it might be 1559. It might be 1630. Who knows? But I'm going to definitely make sure that I do the best I can with what I have. So if I'm injured, I'm going to try to be my best, you know, that injury period, or if I'm tired, or if I'm feeling good. It's a more open way to frame training and, and life and racing. And it gives you a bit more slack when, again, it's windy and cold and raining, and you decide to step up to that marathon, and, you know, your, your kid was sick, or, you know, whatever happened, it's like, yo, just do your best that day. And if doing, doing half of it is your best, then you did your best. And that's obviously super subjective. It's not a, you know, I got to go on the flip side. It's not permission to, to just do half-ass work. Right. You, st you still got to push. Exactly. You still got to push. But exactly. here's the great thing about that um, is it's a, it's a more honest effort. Because I see a lot of folks will approach, and that's no knock for anybody who does, will approach an event with a, a specific goal time in mind and work backwards from there. And sometimes that goal time uh, is not what you can get that day or in that training block. Instead, see what is within your limits, what you actually have, and you can maybe stretch for another you know, minute, two minutes, maybe it's just 30 seconds on that day in that event. Uh, but if you're just hard set on, I need a sub three, and nothing else will do. You could have a great day and come in at three oh five. Celebrate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you set yourself up with that expectation, and it's just like you feel like a failure if you just look at the metric and the number. Mm. And there's so much more to it as amateur racers than just the numbers. Takeaway two: the multiple one percent changes. Here, I go deep on the nitty-gritty of the 1% changes and upgrades that I did months, weeks, and days before my race. Nutrition, sauna, dynamic warm-up, drills, plyometrics, sleep, etc. all played a part in that. So 2020 was obviously COVID. It wasn't that bad here. I kept training through it. I was fine um, here in Australia, Sydney, Australia. I had my slowest time. I ran, I, I did a time trial in July. Um, 
preseason time trial, 17.45. I ran. I was like, yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on the track. You know, everyone was – it was the first, like, proper event of Sydney. Everyone was yeah. all hyped, like, post – you know, after COVID, July 2020. And – Things getting opened up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I had some breakthrough workouts, you know. Uh, I was, like, really sorting out 1% in 20 different variables. My training volume was at an all-time high. I was, like, you know, I was hitting 100K weeks, um, which is 60-mile uh, running weeks. A lot of aerobic base. A lot of people are like, yo, why are you running so much for a 5K? You know, you're training for a marathon? And I'm like, nah, I'm actually trying to get my aerobic base. That's my weakness. You know, my, my genetics definitely... As we were talking about before, I have more speed. I have more of the uh, the, the threshold type work, the anaerobic. You know, I can 400, 800 repeats. I can smash those out real fast. Mm-hmm. But you get me into the mile repeats, the 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 one k two mile repeats. You know, it's like mm, you know that lactose starts building up. Sorry, lactate starts building up in my system, and it it slows me down. Like everything starts feeling heavy. So I was like, I need to build up my aerobic system first, and then. I need to work on certain areas. So all that was going well three times in the gym, you know, heavier sets, less reps, five by five. I saw you were lifting, a lot of plyometrics. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. plyometrics, all my form drills getting econ- economy, right, 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 right. And I had my slowest time <laughs> ever three months later. You know, like, sorry, not my slowest time ever. It was I had the exact same time that I ran in July that I ran in October. I was like, hold up, but. But that race was horrendous, and I learned a lot of how to race. So that's kind of what we'll mm. get to at the end. And um, racing is a whole nother beast, man. Like, one thing I found is that you can do all the training, but you have to show up on race day. And it's a lot of pressure on that day. That, that's, that's the thing. It all has to come together holistically. You know, uh, everything just needs to snap into place. So that, that's kind of like this oversight of, uh, just showing up and giving it the go. And I feel that uh, it it happens frequently enough without people setting an intention and recognizing everything that went well around it to have a good race day so that when you have a suboptimal race day, you know, you, 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 you forget how lucky you were and how close you were to having a bad day on all those times that it went right. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tricky balance to get together. Uh, so you're talking about uh, these tweaks and everything that's happening. Um, let, let's, let's get into um, a little bit more of that because I'm seeing uh, some of the, oh, over the last couple of months, some of the uh, products, some of the, your nutrition um, getting dialed in. I see you playing with some cordyceps. I see some beet juice. You've been on this war juice. War juice. War juice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, we can, we can talk about nutrition. Um, so I, I, you know, sauna. There was some sauna stuff that happened that I went deep in. So basically, I, I realized, you know, this this science behind this that if you can improve one percent better in 10, 20 different variables, that really starts to compound. In, in ways, and especially around race day, because my race day routine was trash uh, up until probably three years ago. And it was basically show up and, and just do whatever, you know, because what, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. it's not that serious. I mean, back in, you know, college, uni, as they say here in Australia, um, I just, you know, I, I, I think I had a couple beers before, you know, before track meet, like the night before track meet. It was like, whatever, I'm 20, I'm good, you know, I ain't gonna get drunk. So it's just one of those things where, I decided to do some research, you know, see see what's actually happening in the world of of sports science and exercise science. 
and um, start to apply that to myself and, and be like, you know, where we at? So Remy right now is showing a video of me doing some warm-ups. So my warm-ups are just basically dynamic stretches and, you know, light plyometrics, um, which runs me through the full range of motion. And that's my little, my little son. He just comes in and <laughs> right before the race. This is before my 5K in May. Uh, I know you guys on Instagram can't see this, and apologies. One day we'll be able to do <laughs> a cross leg, uh, doing some push-ups, warming up the whole body. But yeah, so, oh, you know, warm-up right here. That's something that I do religiously before every key workout. Um, Tuesday, Thursday, sometimes Saturday and Sunday, all my key workouts always do a proper run-through of a warm-up, two to five minutes. And, you know, beetroot juice combined with cordyceps mushrooms combined with uh, tart cherry juice some BCAs thrown in there. That's, oh, he's mm -hmm. on it. So yeah, he's got my whole, my whole race. It's a, it's a lot of processed food. So if you're into raw, you might not be into this, but at the same time, I optimize for performance. I don't optimize for eating raw. Unfortunately, raw foods take a while for your body to digest. Processed foods go straight and get absorbed and used for energy. So yeah, there's a lot of processed uh, maltodextrin in there, rice, milk, um, sorry raw food eaters uh, this this works for me it might not work for you but this is legit science and i know it works for me so um that caffeine gel i don't drink a lot of caffeine caffeine mm -hmm. only on race day and specific workouts and when it hits when it Ooh. hits uh, whoo, especially Ooh. you know i was just reading on um making sure you know when you're tapering specifically when you're tapering cut the caffeine out i got something on that that's old sure. that's, that's old science there's new, oh. there's some new science, yeah, new science that um, it actually doesn't affect you, and it actually can hurt you because you'll end up being quite groggy because you go through withdrawal. Um, so the 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 whole the old mm. old thinking was cut it out a week before so it really hits the day of the race. But if right. you have two three cups of coffee or whatever you however you get your caffeine doesn't matter how you get your caffeine tea, soda whatever you want to get your caffeine. Um, who drinks soda if you're a real endurance athlete? Jokes jokes. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> you know, to trigger a whole audience. I know, here, un unpopular opinion. But if, but it doesn't matter. Sorry, the caffeine doesn't matter. So all you coffee drinkers, you can keep drinking your coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. Caffeine, excuse my language, fucks me up. Like I'm like, did it, did it, did it. I'm already hyper, dude. You know, like sure. I, I never did coke. You know, back when I was in the club DJing, I, I was like, I got enough energy. I just, I'm, I'm high off life. I don't need this. So caffeine, mm -mm, mm -mm. I don't sleep well that night. Like I'm like. But yeah, it'll, it it'll does work. You. So a couple times a year, I'll take that caffeine. And you need quite a lot. It, it, it's 150 milligrams is when it actually kicks in. That's like, and here in Australia, that's like two, two cups of coffee. Yo, I'm, yeah, I'm done at... Yeah, performance enhancer right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done at 50. 50 is when I'm like, okay, 100, I'm shaking. 150, like I might actually pass out. So I kind of teeter around the 100, 120 milligram mark. Um, the only reason why I know that is the actual, the, the gel, the caffeine gel that I have. I take about 60 to 70% of it. Uh, I tried 100% and I legit almost thought I was going to die. And I was like, all right, let's back that down. I know that if it's too little, it actually doesn't work. So you got to hit that right. But I'd say that I did sauna. Um, so I did a sauna 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, hot sauna. Mm -hmm. I was getting up to about 180 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, about 85 degrees Celsius. For 20, 25 minutes after, you got to do it after a workout, preferably a hard workout. So you want to go in dehydrated. And you go in the sauna, don't drink anything, come out, do a cold shower. Yeah, shit is real. Like you, after a hard workout doing the sauna for six to seven days, 
You do that 12 days before. I know this is all craziness. I'll try to put that in some sort of a blog or something real soon. But um, that on top of the war juice for six days before, get some sleep with the plyometrics. And that's the thing about the sleep is you need that all week long. You know, there's too much importance getting back to putting too much pressure on race day. If you're just trying to sleep the night before, two nights out, but you've been sleeping like trash, speaking to myself here, uh, for the last two weeks, um, you know, you're, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Uh, and, you know, Luis, again, uh, looking at the warmups, a lot of folks will just kind of show up. Now, Luis is doing great on his own right, but if you're not doing, if you're just showing up cold, and going out there, giving it what you got, think how much better, you know, you would be once the engine's warmed up, the oil's all lubricated and everything's loose, ready to fire, man. Uh, so, so you got it going on, man. That's a, that's a hell of a, a routine that's led you up to then. Add break. This episode was brought to you by me, D-Lake Coaching. We show you as you get older how to perform better in health, fitness, wellness, endurance sports, and life. We're all getting older, so rather than being like most humans on the earth and declining, why not be better, stronger, smarter, faster, and more wise than the 10 years ago version of yourself? Our NLP trained coaching experience will help you live your best life through habits and intentional decision making. Go to delatecreates.com slash coach or email us talk at delatecreates.com spelled the normal way to book a free consultation call today. And back to the show. Takeaway three, addition and subtraction. I know that sounds like a bunch of word salad, but stay with me on this. When you take things away, you strip them down to its core. I call that essentialism. My maximal brain tries to live a minimal life. So this was my take on that, but through the lens of racing. Were there any changes in the schedule? Was there anything that you stop doing anything that uh yeah yeah go for it what uh what did you cut out addition by subtraction yeah i like that i like that great question so i ended up talking with mike tree shout out at run.energy on instagram this dude is a beast he's a he's a coach um run coach he's an ex-pro triathlete i did a podcast with him um and he gave me some side information i ended up cutting out of the podcast because i was like I was like, yo, can you help me with this? I'm struggling with this this one thing, and I got some free coaching advice from him. And, uh, and you just kept it in the vault. You didn't share that with the people. I'm going to. I'm gonna, it's going to be a section called... Uh, right, right here, right now. Let's yeah. drop it. What yeah, is- yeah. So, so I was like, yo, all right. I'm trying to run 1559 5K. This is what I'm doing. Um, I think I hit my genetic limit. You know, I don't think... And he was mm-hmm. like... He's like, based on all that what you told me, and I told him my whole history, it's really quick. Like, for him to give me any advice based on, you know, a quick two-minute summary of what I do... It was quite ambitious, but he did it. And he goes, he's like, so six weeks out from your A race, he's like, because I was like, yo, I think I'm doing too much. Should I like take one of these? He goes, you're not doing enough. I went, what? Oh. And he's like, yeah, he's like six weeks out, four to six weeks out. You need to ramp it up. And he's like at a fourth uh, quality day. And I was like, really? And he goes, so what you need to be doing is three, uh, 3K type efforts. So really fast, short stuff. 5K efforts and then 10K efforts. And that means like longer duration stuff. And sure. he was like, once you do that and you spread that over the week and then you have your long run. And he was like, your long run, you're going too long. Cause I was, I was still running about two hour long runs. 
And he's like, and you shouldn't have your threshold work, your lactic threshold work in your long run. Have your long run be easy. And he's like, and then separate that from, and I was like, huh? And I'm like, you know what? I did read that somewhere. And you know what? I'll listen to you. I haven't done this. So I, that was a huge change for me. And it was four weeks out. I decided to do it. I was like six. I wasn't, you know, I was being a bit cautious. I didn't want to blow my body up before the race. I hadn't done this before. And he's like, four weeks, you, you should see a gain. He's like, six weeks is optimal, but you'll see something at four. He's like, three weeks, I wouldn't do it. But I'm like, you know, you're talking about weeks? Like, and I was like, all right, you know, trust the process, trust the process. So ended up yeah. adding a Saturday uh, tempo run. And I usually do the tempo run at the end of my long run. So the tempo was just its own on Saturday. And then Tuesday and Thursdays, I just did straight speed work. So it was like short stuff, like 12 by 400s with short rest, faster than my 5K pace. And then I was doing on Thursdays, like basically slow, slightly slower than my 5K pace with short jogs. So it's called, um, what's that called? It's called, uh, 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 what's the word when you do slightly slower than your pace and then faster recovery. Um, damn oh, it. Like, uh, what's the word? Oh man. I just, not, not fartlek. No float. They're called float intervals. So you go like, instead of just like jogging, you know, at a really slow pace at like 10 minute per mile pace, or, um, I actually would jog slightly faster than my marathon pace or slightly slower than my marathon pace. So it's like, your rest is not a rest. You're like, okay, you know, after I just did a, a almost 10K effort for <laughs> four minutes, I'm now doing three minutes at my slowly, slightly slower marathon pace. So that's to build up my lactic system. So basically he was like- Yeah, yeah, you're bringing the floor up exactly. just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. bringing the basement up, yeah, yeah. So I know this is all like, yo, you know, if you're not into exercise science, this is all craziness, but I'm in the weeds. I love this stuff. I love data. I love experimenting with my body. Biohacking, as some people would say, fitness biohacking. You're in the right place. I mean, I feel like that's um, that's kind of the 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 crowd that we we swim in. Um, and I'd like to think that the folks who are a tuning in and b are generally in our spaces kind of know kind of know what's going down, what 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 uh, what we're about. Takeaway four: Use data, then ignore it, and trust the process. Using data, trusting it, but at the end of the day, listening to your own body because sometimes the data you give the algorithm is wrong. That's why coaches are super important. The human touch is necessary with all machines, algorithms, data, and formulas. Without the data, it's just data. With the human and the data slash technology, you become a superhuman. Your data is only as valuable as the input variables that you give it. And also how you interpret it and use it. So that has, you know, like, like it's, it's how humans use it, what it gives it, and then what you take from it. So, you know, the, 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 back to the Strava training score, or sorry, uh, fitness and freshness, as they call it, which is just their take on the training peaks algorithm. Um, I actually was trying to, because I, I, I look back at my Ironman, and it showed exactly when I peaked. Like, I went back, so I went back four years of data, and it legit showed exactly when I peaked, and then how the drop-off happened. It's like, obviously, you know that, but if I would have known all of my volume was doing, you know, X, Y, Z, maybe I would have done a different taper. You know, maybe I would have, you know, done a different one. So back to your question about looking at everything, I was looking at the Strava Fitness and Freshness and watching my training load, my weekly training load and intensity and volume. And this session, this, this training block, it actually was going down. And it was way less than it was the year before. This is when you have to ignore data. And this is when you have to go, 
trust the process. And I kept saying like, mm. yo, I'm hitting these times. You know, I, I, my, 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 I know my GPS is accurate. I know these courses. I know the exact, all my training courses and all my time trials that I'm doing. I know they're accurate. Like I feel good. Just trust it. Even though the Strava stress score was low. And theme five, the running virtuous cycle. This is my own fun take on creating a model frame and lens that can help us see things better in our training and specifically running. Give us one of those obvious lessons as a takeaway for today. Just just one of those that you probably feel is is relevant in the moment. So I broke it down into good and bad lessons. Yeah, we went we went real granular on it. You, you know, I'll sum, I'll sum it up. I'll sum it up. I got a little graph sure. here that I made. All right. So it's basically the virtuous run cycle is, is there were, I'll sum it up. I know you said just focus on one, but I'll do a quick sum up. If you're injury free and healthy runner, you can run more. If you can run more, you then strength train a lot. And you should, those kind of coincide. They're kind of the same thing. So that's obvious. You, you can strength train while also running a lot. Then when you're able to strength train and get your muscles up, to, to be able to handle all the running, you then get faster, which when you're running faster, you're not getting injured and you're a healthy runner. So that's the virtuous run cycle. And that, that's that's one of the reasons I think, you know, pros are pros. They 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 obviously genetically are set set up, but they gotta work on that, you know? And you you need to 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 run fast, you have to run fast. Like uh, the law of specificity. To to run a lot, you know, to run a ultra marathon, you have to run a lot, like in your training. And um, I think strength training is one of those things where it's not as one-to-one, and a lot of people get confused. So this this kind of you know ties into something I was actually gonna talk to you about. At the end, it's a, it's something I was Googling and I was like, oh, shit, this is like a Darren uh, uh, deep deep dive. Darren de- deliberates on on some weird fringe, not even fringe. Oh, we'll save some of those. We'll, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll, we'll save back. it. We'll save it. But um, the, the biggest thing is you got it. You got it. It's the holistic approach. You really got to sort everything out because everything goes into everything else. And to really focus on one thing, no injuries, man. Like that was that was the, the biggest thing. I know, I know I'm beating a dead horse with this or dead tofu because, yeah, some of us are plant-based and love horses. But the ability to step back and learn from a bunch of failures is a beautiful thing. When zoomed out, you can see more of what things mean when they go wrong in a race. The learnings are applicable for future training and races. I'm a firm believer in doing something and having a 50-50 chance of failure and success. It's not ambitious enough if you succeed more than 50% of the time. It's too ambitious if you fail more than 50% of the time. So the middle is the sweet spot. Moving through to the future, I'm feeling pretty damn confident. I know I can maintain a strong foundation of speed and endurance because of what happened this year. And hopefully through all of that, I'll keep performing better as I age. And as always, if you want to perform better as you age, don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none, just be a master of some. Break. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. We'll put three perfectly curated and creative things in your inbox for better living and training. 
Go to delaycreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard, time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills, all so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow D-Lit Creates Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, a rating, review, or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. The more people that hear about us, the doper stuff we can do to then help other people. And if that virtuous cycle continues forever, we would always be grateful to you. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for the episode of hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk at delaycreates.com. We're also on the socials, mainly Instagram at delaycreates, or you can hit us up wherever you can find us. Last, this episode of music were created and produced by Podpaste and myself. So if you like any of the music, you can add it to your device playlist by going to delaycreates.com forward slash music. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a link in the show notes description. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace.